This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello and welcome to Pop Vouchers, a pop culture podcast by The Straits Times. My name is Jen Lee, and as always, I'm joined by Yosem Joe. Bonjour, Mademoiselle. How is everyone doing? Yosem Joe has a French accent right now because, of course, today we are talking about hate watching, and we are watching everybody's favorite show to hate. Emily in, in Paris. Paris. Yes. Oh. Um, okay. Oh. Sam Joe is making that sound because he had to watch all ten episodes for this podcast. Whereas I was like, you know, I'm just gonna watch two, and then I didn't like it. And then Sam Joe was telling me how much he hated it. And then after he finished all ten episodes, today he came and was like, I don't really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, if I hate anything, it's myself for actually sitting through all ten episodes. Yeah. Jen, you are cop out. I thought you were gonna watch it with me. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I hate myself for loving, loving you. you. That's basically what's happening to Sam Joe right now, <sighs> and I I didn't do that. So, <laughs> how about let's just dive right in. Sam Joe, you watch all ten episodes. Why don't you just share some thoughts about EIP? EIP. Where do I even start? I think I'll start with this word. And for those of you who watch this show, you would get where I'm coming from. Ringard, Ringard. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but that essentially is the French word that loosely translated means basic. And there's this one mm. famous scene in the show where the French designer Pierre Cadot actually shouts at Emily after spotting like a little Eiffel Tower trinket on her studded handbag, and yeah, he yeah. looks at it. He's like, "Oh my goodness, this you're so basic, so basic. Okay. I'm not gonna work with your marketing agency, you know." Okay. Anyway, just to intro everybody to the show in case anyone is like unaware of what EIP is. <laughs> yeah. Emily in Paris is about um, an American girl from Chicago who moves to Paris for a social media marketing job to work with this marketing agency because her boss basically who was supposed to move to Paris suddenly got pregnant and couldn't take the job for one year so she basically is taking the job over for one year lah. Mm. it's all about like you know her, her experiences living in Paris her hot neighbour you know everybody falls in love with her she eat bread lah, you know that kind of thing yeah that kind of thing and then she posts on social media and, and yeah. then she suddenly becomes an influencer and it's like can your life be any more perfect slash basic slash ringar but okay anyway back to my point we digress but the first few episodes I really 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 found the show to be insufferable you know I don't understand how something so vapid can be such a hit and I say such a hit because you know my hopes were really up right when the show first came out on Netflix people were texting me people that I met in person were telling me making the effort there was this ex-colleague of mine who's like 51 years old this year if I'm not wrong <laughs> and he was raving about the show I was like wow okay if even you want to watch it then this must be really good right so I watched it I mean I gave it a chance to watch it with some friends and I was surprised that when I actually posted an IG story saying that I didn't like the show quite a few people actually slid into my DMs to defend the show you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Basically, they say that, okay, a lot of them say that, you know, it's trashy, good, you know, it's so bad, it's funny. But I don't know, I just legit found the script a little bit lacking in substance. My main thought that kept popping up in my mind as I watched it was, why are we celebrating mediocre scripts? <laughs> you know, hashtag Devon Star, which Jen will elaborate on later. Yes. <laughs> um, shallow character development, hashtag Darren Star again. Cultural stereotypes. Hashtag Darren Star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Some people say that it's harmless and the show is even like self-aware in many ways. You know, how like, for example, how basic Emily is matches the fact that the show is a basic rom-com and chick-lit TV in and of itself. But I don't know, I wouldn't give it so much credit. How about you, Jen, from the few episodes that you watched? The thing is, it really is a hit. Because, like, it has been on the top 10 Netflix list for super long since it started airing. It's been, like, number one, number two, number three. Like, I've seen it in Singapore hitting the top of the charts. It's now been overtaken by 
like, of course, Blackpink light up the sky. Yes, <laughs> Blackpink I, in your area. Yes, Sandra and I were obsessed with Love Sick Goals the past week. We, uh, <laughs> I've been looping it again, again, again. But I had like many problems with the show as I was watching like the first two episodes of Emily in Paris. Firstly, Emily has a friend who is Chinese. Like I think she's like a Chinese Korean kind of. Oh yeah, heritage. her mom is Korean, but she's from Shanghai. Yeah, a- yeah, yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Then she teaches this French kid's Chinese, and this character's name is called Mindy. And Mindy's Chinese is horrible. <laughs> like, horrible. Hello, truly, truly, yeah. unforgivably bad. Because the actress who plays Mindy is Korean. It's totally Korean. And right, she Ashley obviously, Park. Ashley Park. She can't speak Chinese. I don't expect her to. I don't understand why they wrote the character to be a Chinese teacher. Right. When she obviously cannot handle the pronunciation of like proper Mandarin. Like she's supposed to be from Shanghai. And guys, I've been to Shanghai. I've lived in China. This does not sound like Chinese. Right. You know, And in the later part of the show, you will see that she hangs out with her Chinese friends as well. And the accents are all over the place. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really strange to watch that. And you know, there's that one scene where Emily first bumps into Mindy in the park. Yeah, in the park. And she's basically a nanny in this show, right? And yeah. so the kids bump into Emily and... And she demands that the kids apologize to, um, Emily. to Emily. And what does she say, Jen? She says, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and that's Jen already giving her a lot of credit because it was like almost unrecognizable. I wouldn't have known what she was saying if not for the subtitles. Yeah, and I don't understand why they don't just hire her to teach English because I don't think it's that rare for rich French kids to have like a proper English tutor, right? Because the character is established to have lived in America before so she would be fluent and she is very fluent in English so it's right. like super odd that they didn't just let her speak English and teach English. Yeah. But okay, I think a lot of the negative comments about the show coming back to my thoughts about it a lot of negative comments have focused on how unrealistic it is like she's this low level associate in a marketing agency and for some reason she always wear designer clothes and also like Mm. she starts out this social media marketing job and her Instagram account only has 48 followers (laughs) yes yes I actually tracked it episode by episode so for some reason she starts off the show with 48 right even though she's a pretty girl 48 is really not like you can be a random person with like 5 photos on Instagram and have more than 48 followers but when you look like Lily Collins who plays the titular Emily you should immediately already have a thousand yeah who are we kidding but never mind okay let's just go with the illusion that she has 48 followers but by the end of episode 1 which is like what her first week in Paris suddenly she has 230 followers never mind episode 4 she has 10.4k followers Episode 5, 20,000 plus followers. And by the end of the series, in episode 10, she has like over 25,000 followers. And also the show doesn't really understand anything about social media because when she had like 600 followers or something or like maybe like 500 followers, she would get like 100 over comments. Which if you actually understand social media, it rarely works that way. If a bunch of people following you are people that you don't know, are not your friends, they don't know you in real life, it's very unlikely that your engagement is that high. Unless they are hate commenting. Or they are bots. More <laughs> likely bots. they are bots. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If you're going to incorporate social media in a show and your protagonist is a social media expert... Then maybe you should do better with the social media aspect of the show. But exactly. Anyway, I do feel that a lot of the vitriol directed at the show is in part because it's, it's super silly. Like, nobody is making any pretensions about how unsilly it is. Mm-hmm. It's not a serious show. And I think that it's a bad year for this show. It's clearly been received on both ends of the spectrum. Like, some people love it, some people hate it. And I think it's because this year has been so nightmarish. Everybody has been stuck at home. Nobody is travelling to Paris. Like, no one, other than people who live in Paris themselves, 
nobody is traveling outside of their own homes and their own countries and like there's been racial tensions there's political protests climate change issues true and everybody is just in this like bad stressful state and here comes Emily in Paris a fluffy show about nothing important so some yep. people would fall in love with it because it's like it's so escapist it's great and then some people would find it totally vapid and shallow and not something that they are looking for at this juncture in life la. right and I think the latter was me initially right because I was like uh, here we are are like you know trying to just stay alive you know mm-hmm. and trying to get over and done with this pandemic and there she is like waltzing around on like a cobblestone pavement like you in know um, extremely unrealistic high heels like extremely hard to walk in yeah and you know snagging like a dream job and then like getting by with zero French and you know how that is in Paris and also um, like the neighbour who lives right below her block is out of this world attractive like <laughs> is so unrealistically hot it makes makes me angry. So I actually read this article where like, why people didn't like the show was also, you know, because how it's reflective of that lazy millennial life, you mm. know? That how old millennials like uh, Emily in this case, right, are seen to just get by and have everything so easy. With um, very little effort on her part. Very little effort. I have effort. to say that a lot of things that Emily achieves are completely because she just fell into it. Like, she mm. got this Paris job because her boss got pregnant and then she, the boss can't go. Which is also unrealistic because nobody sends a low-level associate when they are expecting a high-level associate at the job. Yes, and so, and one of the prerequisites being you have to speak French. So yeah. that just is not realistic. But I guess that is the whole point of the show. It's like, it's meant to be unrealistic and, you know, nothing bad can happen to her. Like, spoiler yeah. alert, but later on in the show, like, her boss tries to fire her, meaning the French boss, mm-hmm. like Sylvie, who is, like, one of my favourite characters. And she tries to fire her, but apparently because the paperwork takes very long in Paris or in France, so she couldn't get fired. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, so this show is essentially quite frustrating to watch, but strangely also liberating at the same time. It can right? be fun, la, you know, over a glass of wine and if you talk to your friends about how much you hate it, you can get really animated. Yeah, but that's the thing. So is it like a, a phenomenon of like you loving to hate it and hating to love it or hating to love it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what is that? It's the hate watch phenomenon, I think. More about hate watching soon and we're going to bring in some other shows. Now, if you're enjoying this episode of Pop Vouchers so far, do find us on the Straits Times Podcast channel or you can find us at hashtag Pop Vouchers. That's one word. We have our own channel on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Omni. Uh, some of our episodes are on YouTube as well. So check those out. Last week, we trash talk Mulan, lol. And uh, basically, <laughs> like and rate us and subscribe to us. Now, back to our show. Let us continue with Emily in Paris and hate watching. Hate watching. Just a little hate watching 101, right? So yeah. that's actually an official definition or there are a few couple of official definitions of hate watching out there so essentially it means to watch a TV show or movie for the sake of the enjoyment that one gets from mocking or criticising the show yes and some will even say that you know hate watching is when you watch that show because you suspect that you will definitely dislike it so you're watching it for the purpose of being able to talk about how much you don't like the show which is essentially kind of what we did for this podcast right technically yes so (laughs) I I didn't well I definitely hate watching I really didn't enjoy myself so like Emily in Paris is created by Darren Starr who is the creator of like actually a lot of shows a lot of like very well received shows like Sex Sex in the the City City. which was also like one of those shows that people love to hate and like was he also the creator of like Beverly Hills Beverly Hills 90210 he did Melrose Place he did the recent one called Younger yeah a lot of this like teen or like 
women in the city type things, you know. That's his jam, you know, that's his type of thing. So a lot of stuff is done, it's very hate-watchy because I think a lot of stuff he does is basically fantastical. Like, you know, the Paris in Emily in Paris doesn't actually look like Paris. Like, it's super clean and it's super beautiful and it's glamorous. And people who live in Paris will tell you that's not the case. It's yeah. like the New York in Sex and the City is super, like, glamorous and fun and parties and it's all, like, great things and best city in the world, right? But actually, mm. people who live in New York would be like, uh, actually, it's kind of dirty and there's a lot of, like, puddles around and there's, like, potholes and, like, uh, a lot of stuff that's not great. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's always, like, a rose-tinted lens like, through yes. which, like, Darren Star seems to portray his setting. Yeah, and when you have that sort of fantastical element set in what looks like reality, right, then people will always find reasons to hate it because they would think that it's unrealistic. But I think my point is, like, that is not the main reason why it is like Emily in Paris and shows like Sex and the City. It's sort of like, that's not the point of the show, right? The point of the show is to be a bit fantastical, is to be a bit oddly aspirational, I guess. Like people look at the Emily in Paris and they're like, oh, Paris is so beautiful. It's to make you feel a certain, buy into a certain dream. So I, I think that's okay. But I think mm. the thing with hate watching that is very therapeutic, that yeah. is very therapeutic, is tied to like how much we need to vent our negative energy onto something and like how much you bond with other people when you have negative energy towards the same thing it's like you know how you become friends with someone when you both really really dislike the same person oh <laughs> right like, or the same thing yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, bond yeah. over a hatred right and yeah. then it's which doesn't sound very healthy on the surface but it can lead to long lasting friendships I'm just saying <laughs> like you know you, you can speaking find from experience there. Jen yeah I'm sure I have friends like that <laughs> and it's also like axe throwing you know that nowadays there's this popular activity where you throw axe right right things. like as was featured on Indian matchmaking yeah, 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 yeah where upper uh, like you know through the X and Indian matchmaking another show that some people hate watch true so, oh yes that's a good one I think it's like the act of releasing negative energy onto something venting right it can be very therapeutic because you might have a lot of legitimate anger at very very real things in your life that you cannot change like maybe you hate your boss right like maybe you have issues with your mom. maybe you have problems with your friends maybe like emotional you, baggage yeah just emotional baggage maybe your boyfriend cheated on you and you have nowhere to let that anger out then you watch Emily in Paris and you get all that anger out on Emily. <laughs> right, right, right. And also I think it's a way, to be honest, it's a way for us to feel superior about ourselves. Oh, because that's an insight. At, we look yeah. at Emily and we're like, oh my god, Emily's so bad at her job. She has that lazy millennial stereotype which you talked about, right? Yeah. Like she just sort of falls and do great things. Right. Um, She's such a thick American accent, she can never master French. Yeah, and then that... she like goes to France without even bothering to learn French and then you're right. like, god, she sucks. Right, and then right. you feel good about yourself because you're like she sucks which I don't suck you know right. like also you think but then you look at your life now and then you're like what am I doing yeah. <laughs> no it's true so I think that, that is the flip side right yeah, that's yeah, the flip yeah. side that we're talking about like on the one hand we are rolling our eyes at her but on the other hand we are like giggling and like actually gawking and like we are in awe of the life that she's leading there's an element of envy there you know yeah, and also I think it's when we talk about hate watch shows, right? A lot of shows that are hate watch are very female centric and are very targeted at the female demographic. You look at stuff like reality TV shows like Keeping Up Keeping to Kardashians. Kardashians, which is ending soon, uh, Love is Blind, you know, all of these kind of shows are very targeted at the female demographic. Right. The female and I would say the gay demographic, like, you know. Right, right. Singapore and Social was another Singapore one that people, that people love to watch. I think because people tend to think that female led shows or like shows that are targeted at the female demographic are vapid and shallow and it's like chick lit, you know. The like the whole term chick lit is a bit derogatory in the first place. Why is it that literature that women like to read is somehow less worthy? You get what I mean? Right. Why is it that women's stories or their narratives are automatically like dismissed as less important? 
important or like yeah. more frivolous. It's things like this that brings an extra layer of nuance to the hate watch, to the phenomenon of shows that are hate watch and shows that are sort of produced entirely for this purpose. Like look at Keeping Up the Kardashians. The Kardashians know <laughs> that people hate them. They yes. sort of play into that. And when we look at the Kardashians, it's like they are so privileged and so rich, but they have really done nothing super worthy to get to that point. So it's sort of like we're venting our anger at capitalism <laughs> at, the, yeah. at the Kardashians, you know? So right. it's You're right. Of, yeah. it's, I do think it's anger at capitalism. Like essentially, that's what Emily in Paris is also about, right? You know, yeah. she is such a symbol of that. Mm-hmm. And I think people are just like... Of like consumerism and materialism yeah. and capitalism, which I guess a lot of people do buy into it and also we can't really get out of it. Like we live in a capitalist society. There's very little we can do to change it. So mm. yeah, it's sort of like our anger at the world this has gone to a next level I feel but yeah. it's true that there's a lot of like psychological baggage that we carry around us and we direct it onto shows that we watch like culturally I think that's something that we tend to do la. yeah and I also want to take it to another direction but you know I read some articles online about hate watching and they basically say that this is kind of like what we talked about earlier so about how when we hate watch something we don't actually hate it in fact sometimes we claim that we hate it because we want to like cloak our you know our, our disdain our obsession with it yeah our apparent exactly our apparent disdain for it is actually like you know a disguise for our deep-seated obsession with the show it's to kind of like to protect our street cred yeah you know, yeah, yeah yeah definitely so a lot of shows that people say oh yeah you know I can't be bothered with that show or like I watched it oh hated it like you know uh, and then we scoff at it but I mean I have to admit like when I got to the end of Emily in Paris I was you were like, invested I was very invested in it and like especially when I got to like episode 8 and 9 I was like okay I really need to know what happens with and her and like, Gabrielle. Yeah, you know? you're like, can she sleep with Gabrielle already? Like, yeah. So, and I think that's why a lot of people actually, even though they tweeted that you know the show is so shallow and everything, but the fact is that I'm pretty sure more than half of them were lasting after Gabrielle, yeah. or even like even Emily. I mean, herself, like you know, she has like the perfect eyebrows, and like she even has like really solid does abs. Have the perfect eyebrows. Yeah. So. I don't know. Um, what are some other shows that you like to hate watch, Jen? Like to hate watch? I have mm. to say that when HBO was airing Girls, which was sort of like the young Sex and the City, the way it was marketed, right? right? right. Uh, that's the Lena Dunham show. I definitely had a hate watch phase with that show. Eventually, I trailed off and just stopped watching it. But I definitely had a hate watch phase with that show because it was very, very like... I think Lena Dunham at the start was really satirizing the whole idea of the millennial, the lazy millennial, right? The stereotype of the millennial who is very entitled and very arrogant and thinks they know everything. And it's actually quite interesting to watch that play out and to watch them sort of have to contend with the fact that they aren't as special as they think they are. And things that happen to them, you know. And actually, in the end, it became a show about, like, female friendship and how toxic and at the same time, it can be very empowering. So it was like... There were good stuff in that show. It wasn't a perfect show, but there was good stuff in it. Oh my god, Shoshana was my favourite. I hated Shosha- her. Really? <laughs> yeah, so I want to ask you, because for me, I love watch that show, but why do you hate watch it? What was the hate in there? I think the characters are so obviously like millennial stereotypes. So that was something that I didn't respond super well to, even as I recognised that there was value in what she was trying to do. And also, I think there's a lot of stuff about Lena Dunham in the culture. Like, Lena Dunham as a person is 
sort of like very very hated and very controversial because she says a lot of things and like you mm. can go find everything that Lena Dunham has been involved right. in all the scandals I think some of it is justified a lot of it is not but eventually I just feel like the, her person overpowered the show right yeah. and I think a lot of people couldn't I remember now a lot of the criticism was about how she would just have scenes of her having sex naked yeah yeah she was very into like showing her body showing and her, her body. body was not the model type like she was never that type of body and I think a lot of people didn't respond well to that which yeah. it wasn't really in retrospect it was a bit of a body shaming though, it, there was, was a lot on. of body shaming yeah. going on in the show I mean guys that's the show that gave us Adam Driver like, <laughs> oh that's true that's he true. came up on the scene because of girls yeah. so at the very least we have to thank that uh, you know yeah and I think with like shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and also things like Love is Blind and like Love Island, uh, The Bachelor, you know, even Survivor, I would say. I would say that some people do hate watch reality TV shows and that reality TV shows in a sense are engineered for the hate watch. They are engineered to be sensational, to make you like hate certain contestants. There's always a villain. There's always a villain in one of the stories. There's always like somebody who's wronged. There's always, especially in like love type competitions, right? Finding true love type competitions. There's always someone who's like maybe cheating, somebody who like has feelings for two people. Like, of course, we can say that a lot of this maybe is scripted or what, but I do think that it is engineered and edited in a way to rile up negative feelings in people so that they would have... For sure. Yeah, so that they can debate about it, they can tweet yes. at each other, they can argue yes. with each other about it. So that and it's controversial. You're right, you're right. And I think that it goes back to that adage, right? There, mm-hmm. There's no such thing as bad press. In yeah, a way. sort of. Because yeah. the more bad press there is, essentially your show just gets a lot of hits like, and people will be mm. like, you know, very curious and start yeah. checking out your show. Because even when a show is very good, then the, I think the discussion tends to skew towards a little bit more like almost academic in discussing why it's good. It's themes. It becomes like literature, you know? Mm. It can be very good. It can be very good on social media, you know, and everything when the show is very good. But it's not as like memeable, you know? It's not like Twitter threads, long Twitter threads where people fight with one another, you know? Yeah. It doesn't blow up in the same way. Like. And I think when you hate watch a show, it can really blow up in a social media kind of way. True. Because people are memeing it, people are retweeting it, people are angry, people are quoting, you know, whatever. Yeah. So like That's I exactly what happened with Emily in Paris. Exactly like what happened she, with Emily you know, the memes were making their rounds before. Yeah. a lot of people watched it yeah exactly I think that's why people more people watched it it's a cycle it just brings in more people brings in more people people want mudslinging and like <laughs> I hate this show people want that cat meme you know that yes, cat meme yes, yes. with the white lady yeah, yeah. from Real Housewives exactly yeah people want that meme that I hate it no I don't hate it Gabriel is hot no Gabriel sucks yeah, like, people yeah, yeah. want that going on right right celebrity big brother kind of drama there yeah. like. so maybe the recipe for a good show and a successful show if you want your ratings to go up is really to make it a little bit bad like it can't be too perfect yeah okay I'm not sure I think that's the way to get social media traction is to make your show so bad it's like a car crash and you can't turn away from it it's like a train wreck exactly yeah. Exactly. but I think to get awards you should probably you know continue writing good things <laughs> oh yeah for sure I mean who knows maybe Emily in Paris will get an Emmy you never it know might get a costume Emmy we don't know <laughs> Okay, on that note, I guess that's your dose of pop culture for this week. You know, let us know what you think about Emmeline Paris. Like, you know, is it très bien or is it merde, as they say in the show a lot? 
Yeah, um, we're not going to translate it. We're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah, we're not supposed to. But it was used <laughs> in the show a lot. So you can go and find out for yourself. And tell us what you think about hate-watching in general. Like, have you hate-watched any show? Yeah, what are the shows that you hate-watch? You know, what are some shows that you want us to hate-watch? And then maybe we can discuss it on the show. So Yeah, let us know. Okay, you can always write in to us anytime, right? You can write in to us at podcast at sph.com.sg. You can write in to me at jenly at sph.com.sg. You can also find me on my Instagram at jenlywrite. Slide into my DMs. You can, you can also email me at yosemjo at sph.com.sg or slide into my DMs on Instagram at samjoeinparis. I'm kidding. Um, Sam underscore Jomato. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, by the way, Emily in Paris is her handle. It's her Instagram handle. Yeah. That's why the show is called Emily in Paris. I actually had a friend who changed his handle to his name in Pasiris just yeah, to yeah. spoof That's the thing. That's a meme. That's a yeah. meme. Emily in Paris totally a meme. <laughs> And that's all for this week. Till next time, he's Sam Joe. She's Jen. And this was Pop Vultures. Thank you for listening. Au revoir. Ah, ah, ah. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.